What an exciting morning, all three congregations here this morning. It's really awesome, really awesome. If we've not met before, my name is Stacy Ratliff. I lead the team down in the Bitterroot. I'm also an elder on the board here, and uh, I've taken a more active role just recently as administrator here at Revive Church. So, but we've been uh, down in the Bitterroot for about eight months, so I see a lot of new faces, and that's really cool. It's really, really encouraging. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with my daughter, Courtney, who leads worship here occasionally. My middle daughter, Callie, she also leads worship sometimes here. And then my best friend and my beautiful wife, Anne. Anne, if you'd stand up. She deserves a big hand because we just celebrated 28 years of marriage yesterday. So... Today I want to talk about really what we've been singing about, God's faithfulness. And I want to use us, Revive Church, as an example of that faithfulness. I'll be bouncing back and forth between Matthew and Mark, um, and they're telling of an event in the life of the disciples. We'll start in Matthew 4, verses 18 and 20 in NIV, if you want to bookmark that in your Bible or your app. As Josh was praying for the future Revived Church in December of 2016, God gave him a word that we would be one, one church in four locations. That was a pretty bold word. It was a pretty bold word. And he came to the elder board with that bold word from God, and we had to pray about it. <laughs> uh, at the time, we were not particularly strong in numbers. We weren't particularly strong in finances at the time, really, even. And, um, but after much prayer, we really felt like that, we in, that it was indeed a word from God and that we were open to what he had planned. Josh announced that vision to the church in early 2017, really with some mixed reviews. I'm sure some of you thought, what? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? But our heart was and still is today to follow after Jesus' example stepped before us and to reach more people for the love of God. That's why we're here. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry time on earth and he starts to preach. Now, at this point in time, he's a one-man band. He doesn't have any backup singers. He doesn't have any warm-up band. He doesn't have the power team to draw people in. He's just preaching by himself. But in chapter 4... He starts, to, he starts to call his team in. In, in. in verse 18, things start to change. He starts to build that team. Let's read it. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, we've all read this story a hundred times, probably. And, we've, and, and really, as Christians, we focus on the calling. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. But as I was preparing this message, something kind of leapt off the, the page at me. In the same breath, he says, come, follow me, and I will send you out. These guys weren't going to follow him the rest of their lives. They weren't going to be groupies the rest of their lives. He had called them to send them out. And that's what he does to you and I. He calls us to send us out. 
just like Peter and Andrew apparently did in that passage, we have said yes to the Lord. I will follow you wherever you go. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you've, you've accepted that calling. But again, that's just half the picture. In this one verse, we see that it's very clear that in that same breath, he said, come follow me and I will send you out. When the Holy Spirit spoke to Josh in 2016 about expanding congregations, it was a a calling to follow and a calling to go. We as an elder board had to decide if we were going to step out in our comfort zone and go, or if we were going to just stay comfortable with what we knew and what we were already doing. I think it was a pivotal point in our church. We had been here for 40 years. We were going to celebrate that anniversary in 2017, I believe. Were we going to rest on our past and just stay with what we knew? Or were we, going to, or were we going to be goers and doers of the word? That's what we had to decide. Were we going to be a relevant church that was a conduit for love, for change, to have compassion for our city and our valley? Were we going to, ch- were we going to be a church that matters, a church that was going to be irrelevant for another 40 years. We were hearing Jesus' call, but at the same time, were we going to go? Were we going to hear him and go? But again, we were struggling with finances. I don't, it, some of you weren't here at the time, but it was a struggle to make the bills each month. At the end of the year, there was always that time, Lord, are we going to end in the black or are we going to end in the red? You know, and we weren't particularly strong in numbers. We looked around and, and, and you know, we, we, we weren't there. We weren't a strong, strong, vibrant church if you were looking at, at, at by the books. I mean, business owners, you can relate. If you look at something, you're going to expand. You look at your books and usually have some money in the bank. You usually have, you have a reason to expand because you're bursting at the seams. There's a lot of things that you look at and you say, I'm going to expand because of these reasons. Well, most of those reasons weren't there. God was saying, follow me and go on the books, by the books and by the numbers, we shouldn't have been going. But we had to decide, were we going to be faithful or not? So how, when, when, when God says go, how do you do that when you're already flirting with low numbers? When you're already struggling, per, per se. I mean, we were a good church. I mean, we weren't struggling. We weren't declining, but how do you do that? You send your best. You send your best. It doesn't make logical sense, but you send your best. When God asks us to give, he expects us to give our best. He wants our first fruits, not our leftovers. He wants the best we have so that he can turn, in turn, give back to us a hundredfold of the best. Now, I don't want a a hundredfold best of the nasty sweaters I just dropped off at the Goodwill last week. I don't want a hundredfold of that. I don't want a hundredfold of the out-of-date cans of, of, of canned goods that I gave to City Food last week, do I? You want a hundredfold of that? No. I want a hundredfold of the big ham I gave, you know, or the big turkey I gave, or the nice car I gave. A lot of times we give our leftovers, but God wants our best. He wants our best. And that's what Jesus exampled to us in Matthew 10 and Mark 6. Let's read about the event in Mark 6, 
verses 7 through 13. Uh, when you're there, let me know. Did you guys bring your Bibles today? All right. Mark 6, verses 7. Say, got it when you're there. All right. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jesus had his 12 close friends. See, this was a team that he had built for support. This was his boys. This was his clan. This was his crew. All right? He, he ministered with these people. He sat in church with them. I mean, this, he went to the temple with them. This was his team that he built for ministry. And when you build a team for ministry, do you want them to go? No, you want to hold them next to you, don't you? You want them there for support. You don't want them going. You don't want your best going, but that's exactly what Jesus did. There were other people in his life. There were many people that followed Jesus around the country. There were many people that he knew that he could have called upon. There's another passage of scripture that he called 72. Okay, he could have done that, but he called his best 12 and he sent his best 12 out. And that's what he exemplified in the scripture, so that's what we had to do. Faced with that opportunity to start a congregation in downtown Missoula in the fall of 2017, we had a choice to make. Do we stay comfortable as one happy family, or do we heed Jesus' calling and go? We'd heard God say that we were going to be one church in four locations. Now, now it got real. We had a location, downtown Missoula. What were we going to do? But the question became, who do we send? Let's not send our team. Let's not send our closest friends. We've got people here that are integral parts of this church. We can't send those, can we? But we did. That's exactly what Jesus did, and that's exactly what we did. So we sent our best to downtown Missoula, expecting a hundredfold return on our giving. We sent our worship leader, Heather Rittner, and her husband, Ben, who's an incredible preacher of the Word of God. We sent them down there. We sent one of our best drummers, John Rittner, and his wife, Sarah, who was a part of our children's ministry upstairs. We sent them. We sent my daughter, Callie, who was teaching junior high at the time with Hannah Bowman. They all had integral roles at this church, but we sent our best anyway. We sent Sean and Heather Swain, young guns from the Bitterroot. I was kind of thinking, no, they're in the Bitterroot. I need them if we go to the Bitterroot. These guys can play a mean guitar, they can preach, and they're influencers in that generation. But we sent them anyway. We sent our best. We sent our best. Jesus sent his best, and he showed us an example that it was the right thing to do. Then if that wasn't crazy enough, we plant in October of 2017. Six months later, April 1st. Yes, April 1st, April Fool's Day. You can go with all kinds of jokes on that one. Easter Sunday, we launched Revive Bitterroot in Stevensville. Right on the heel, six months later, 
again, if you're a business owner, if you studied church planning, we did it all wrong. We did it all wrong. Nobody would have said, you need to do that. But you know what? We did it right because God said, go. God said, go. And we did it right. That's why we did it right. Not because of the books, not because of the numbers. We did it just as Jesus did. Now, I'm not bragging on myself here, but my team. My team is the best. I've got some incredible team members here. Buck and Jamie Rodolph and their girls, Addie and Macy. They are incredible ministers of the gospel in the Bitterroot. They are an integral part of the team. They are servants. They got a servant's heart. It's incredible. Rick and Gail Rising, when I asked them to go as a team member, they said no. (laughs) They said, no, 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 no. We know you. You're crazy. But God changed their hearts, and they are so much support and so much good friends. They're just wonderful friends to Ann and I, an incredible part of the team. Jackie and Andrew Rose, they still live here in Missoula. They get up early every morning. We start our service at nine. Like right now, I'm usually sitting down with my feet up watching a football game. Um, By now, not quite, but almost. They get up, they get their three young kids up early every Sunday morning and drive 32 miles to the Bitterroot to be ministers of the gospel to the people that God brings us in the Bitterroot. It is an incredible team, absolutely incredible team. But what about this congregation right here at 2811 Latimer, Revive Reserve? What about you guys? You guys sacrificed, you gave your best, and what do you have to show for it? For the past several months, I don't know if you guys have realized it, but for the past several months, your attendance numbers have been greater than what they were when we, when we started launching in 2017. Your numbers have been greater than that. Finances are ending this year on an upswing. We're in the black. We're in the black. It wasn't worrisome. It wasn't like waiting till this weekend, hoping there was a big check to get us out of the red into the black. We've been in the black. God is faithful. God is faithful. Family has grown in strength, in numbers, and in changed lives. I look around here, and there are many new faces. And we just left eight months ago. We didn't leave. We just launched eight months ago. Again, we're still a part of this church. We just meet down there in the Bitterroot in Stevensville. We consistently run 60 each week in the Bitterroot. That's amazing. Eight months into it, 60. Ann and I made a list of people on the way in. We have 90 people that consistently come to the Revive Bitterroot that we call members that come at least once or twice a month, if not more. Right uh, downtown Missoula, they're running at least 30 each week. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you guys are nearly 200 each week. So we're close to 300 together or more each week. Now, numbers aren't everything. We don't, we don't look at success by numbers but we do say, we do look at those numbers and say, God is so faithful. God is so incredibly faithful. Because I know we all thought, if you peel off a bunch of people and take them to the bitter root, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know what? God has brought new family members here. God has been faithful. He's brought new people here. He's, got, he's brought new brothers and sisters and believers. People that are friends. More of his power so that we can be a church that is relevant for another 40 years. That's what's exciting. That is what's exciting. I'm here today to say, good job, Revive Church. 
good job. You guys, good job. Good job, Revive Reserve. In your sacrificial trust, you have reaped a reward. You sent your best, and lives have been changed here in downtown Missoula and the Bitterroot Valley. Good job, Revive Downtown. Good job. Your faithfulness is seen by God, and he will give you back, give back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Good job, Revive Bitterroot. You're seeing a family built as being called to follow Jesus, and at the same ta- time called to go and reach the Bitterroot Valley. I pray today that you hear that calling and you act on it. It can be as simple as investing in kids' lives once a month, once a month upstairs. That's 12 times a year. We have 52 weeks a year. Just 12 times. You can invest in children 12 times a year. That makes a huge difference. That's that, that's that come follow me and go. It can be as simple as investing in an outreach or revived church like City Foods or Dismet or helping out with one of the other congregations. But heed that calling. Whatever you hear God say, follow and go. That's the most important thing. Follow and go. And give it your best because God gives his best to us each and every day. I want to end with a video that I think drives home the faithfulness, God's faithfulness of how he is using Revived Church to change lives. And it's all because of your obedience in hearing him call and then going. I've been going to Revive Missoula for about eight years. And as a church, it was enjoyable to go to. But distance kept us from getting to church very often. And when we went, we would see people, but it wasn't, we didn't connect with anyone. Our, our choice to just go to church and get the message, and then we left. And looking back now, it's what you invest in a church that you get back from the church. And Revive Bitterroot saved us. And I don't say it lightly. It actually saved us. If it hadn't been for Revive Bitterroot, I don't think we would be here. And I know that that's God's plan for us to be here. And I feel like he planted Revive Bitterroot for us because we needed it. We needed to know that church is more than showing up on Sunday for a couple of hours. Church is... counseling each other, um, being with people that don't judge you, love you, and makes you want to spread that. When you're not filled, you can't fill somebody else. And it's an investment that you have to take on and just live And every time I read the Bible, it teaches us that's what we're here for. 
we're not back as a sideline. We're, we're here to give. And when you give, you're actually growing so much more by giving than you ever would just sitting back watching. All right, <clears throat> message number two now. No. Actually, we're going to conclude, but I do want to say a few words. Um, Stacy referenced in 2016 when we were praying uh, about expanding and praying for our church and praying God uh, move here. Uh, to be honest, I was in a not a place of frustration, but a place of uh, being challenged and saying, "God, we've been we've been going at it for a long time, but we're not seeing uh, growth. We're not seeing this church take off like we believe it could." Uh, looking around at the leaders God's given us and the resources in this facility, uh, we have this facility. Uh, we have room to grow, and that's a, a good thing. And I read. I know you'd be excited to hear about a church book, a leadership book. So I'm going to uh, briefly tell you about a book called Breakout churches. Um, Tom Rainier, he's a, not only a church leader and pastor and speaker, but a brilliant statistician. Uh, I, I knew you'd be excited about this. He looked at, he looked at 400,000 churches, older churches, uh, in our country. And of those 400,000 churches, uh, uh, 80% were declining or plateaued. Uh, he found uh, of those, he found, I think it was 17 churches, so less than 20 of 400,000 churches that he considered breakout churches. And what they were, they were churches that had uh, started and then grown uh, and had uh, times of success, but then plateaued or started to sink. And, and it, when I was in this place of saying, God, move and revive, or at the time, Clark Fork City Church, help us grow. We really want to do it. But I said, uh, but we're, I feel like we're one of those churches. And asking the Lord, have, have we reached our shelf life? Is The church is good, but we believe there's more. We believe you've called us to increase and go, grow and reach people and, and not be the same. And so uh, I, I looked at this book, and there were, uh, of these 17 uh, churches, he found six or seven things they had in common. And I don't think we should look at them as, a, you know, let's try to employ each one and make a formula and then we're going to grow if we do what they did. But I want you to hear these. And uh, as I read this, and you guys won't have to read the book because I'm going to sum it up in the next 30 seconds or two minutes. Here's what he found. Um, in each of these breakout churches that grew uh, plateaued, but then, or, or were declining, and then grew again. Uh, the Bible was not only important, but foundational in the church, and it was evident in their lives, especially in their generosity and the way they served. So they, they lived the Bible. It was extremely important. Uh, tenure. They had leaders uh, and pastors who had, on average, stuck with it for 21 years. Uh, they had a, another uh, great trait. They had a confident humility. 
They had a confident humility. See, uh, success can be almost more difficult than failure or struggle, right? Did you know most mountain climbers who die in a climbing accident die going down the mountain? After they've made it to the top and they've reached their peak and they, they came to that false finish line not realizing that they had another journey to go down, uh, we, we must have and continue to keep a confident humility as God blesses us and as we grow and, and as you have favor come on your life. You need to know that uh, it was God moving and he's blessing us. And we, we do want to be confident and say God will expand us more in the future, but we must have humility as these churches did. Uh, the churches that broke out, they had a responsibility. They didn't make excuses for failure or not doing a good job. They said, you know what? There's things we must and need to improve if we're going to continue to grow. And they took responsibility. Just a few more. Uh, they had love amongst uh, themselves, uh, and they loved their congregations. The leaders loved them, each other, and they, they had a love and we feel that here today. I, I, after being in this church, I started attending here in 1996 as a college student. And I've never felt more love. I come from a great family, but this has become uh, my family. And it, there's great love amongst us. And I know in, your, in the other congregations, uh, the breakout churches had persistence. You know, it's like the little train that could. Sometimes you roll up your sleeves, and, and this might even be in prayer. Come on, Revive. Praying with persistence and believing in persistence and worshiping with persistence and continuing and saying, God isn't done with us yet. We believe that the gravitational pull of our future is greater than the pull of our past. We believe our best days are ahead, and he's, he's grabbing us, and he's saying, come on, I fetched you from uh, when you were a lost sheep or a lost son or like that lost coin. I fetched you and grabbed you and put you in a family so we can affect others, and we can see God do it again in our generation. I'm really grateful for the stories of the past and revivals and the heroes of the faith and even what God did in our church, but I say, God, do it in my day. We want to see, we're thankful for the Bible heroes and, the, and, and uh, Peter and John, who uh, Stacy preached so well about, these guys who, who uh, followed Christ and went out. But we want to see them do it in our day. Persistence. Finally, uh, all these breakout churches had an outward-focused vision. See, when, when things decline or things plateau or things, you just persist in the same, uh, the, the same way you've been for a long time. You begin to look inward. You begin to uh, blame. You begin to affect those around you because you're looking in. You're not looking out. And one of the fastest ways, see, when, when our church was a bit stuck, uh, it was a risk, but we knew one of the fastest ways to grow is to look out and start to serve others. And I can't thank you guys enough, Stacy and Ann and team. Uh, you know how hard it was for families in our church we've, who've worshipped together for years, and now we're sending a church to the Bitterate where kids whose parents worship here are going to go down there. That's difficult. Uh, it's challenging. You say, well, why, would you, why would we do that? Because it's the gospel call on our lives to go and have an outward focus. And as much as we'd love to have Sundays like this together all year long, uh, 
we're called to go. And we're called to have an outward focus. And as Stacy said, uh, we come to Christ and we receive him, but we also go. And guess what? There's more ahead. There's more. There's, there's, um, it was a crazy year, a year and a half. But let's hold on and believe God for greater things. And he's going to make us a breakout church. I believe that. Let's... Uh, Stand to our feet, if you would. Courtney's going to lead us in a song together, and then we're going to have a... Yeah, come on up. Bruce has a Bible. You might want to sit. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sorry to... Hopefully this is a divine interruption. Uh, This morning, uh, the Lord's been just speaking to me about resonance. There's... That there's a frequency, that um, an ability to be in step with the Holy Spirit, moving with the cloud. The scripture that comes to mind is Ecclesiastes chapter three. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, and a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. I think this is a word for us moving into the next year that uh, so so much of the time, there's, there's many of us that are in transition. You're moving from uh, Danny Hall, like being from high school, moving into adulthood, for older people moving into retirement or shifting in some way or you're a parent for the first time uh, or whatever. But God wants us to be in a position of being in the right place at the right time and hearing and moving when he speaks and uh, moving into an area of ministry or uh, that testimony was... We ought to play that every week for a while. I mean, that was just profound, absolutely profound. Thank you for that. You well said. But God, God wants us to listen, and uh, there's a time for everything. And as God speaks, be obedient, be faithful to move, because He is going to speak to you, and He will move us, and He will want us to to change. And maybe even do things that we're uncomfortable with. But there is that time and that season uh, when God breathes. And let's be ready for that and ready to move again like we already have, as Stacy so wonderfully uh, laid out this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for that pillar of cloud over our lives, that, that pillar of fire that leads us and directs us. And Father, give us ears to hear in this year especially right now as we launch into a new year when our ears are to the ground and we're listening for your spirit and we're 
wanting to hear what you have in store for us. God, uh, let us be on the, in the same frequency. Be in synchronization with your Holy Spirit. Be in step with your Spirit this year that we wouldn't get out ahead of you and we wouldn't lag behind, but we'd be faithful to follow and heed your voice this year, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.